Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, This past week, uh, something big happened in our nation. And uh, so let me do my best to explain something here. Um, My job behind this pulpit is not to be political, but it is to speak truth. Um, While I will never stand up here and endorse a candidate or a uh, political party, I can explain our stance as a church when the world does things. Is that fair? So uh, let me start off by saying this past week, uh, the Supreme Court uh, changed everything. Um, And uh, we saw Roe v. Wade overturned ending the federal support of abortion in our nation. Um, I've watched outrage from people um, who feel that women's rights are being taken from them. I've watched millions of people uh, voice their support for the decision. So let me explain what's about to take place and what's New Life's response to this whole thing. Okay? Um, We are joyful that the decision has been made to save millions upon millions of lives. But if we are to rejoice at the millions of lives spared, we cannot turn our heads at the need that will naturally arise. If we are to free a people, should we not also have responsibility to help said people? Likewise, as if we are going to rejoice through this, we should shoulder the responsibilities of helping these moms, helping the babies. And we're going to do this in three big ways. First, we are to never, ever, ever shame a mother, wed or not, for being pregnant. Second, we are not only to not shame, but to use our voice to speak life, whether you agree with how the baby was conceived or not. Third, we will do our best when people come into our doors to support with however we can do it. I can't promise shelter. I can't promise houses. I can't promise cars. I can't promise tons of things. But when the needs arise, this church has always met the need. And we will never turn anybody away. We're never going to look at a child and say anything less than they are a blessing of the Lord. So as we rejoice of what has taken place in our nation, we also have to stand up to the cause that's about to arise in our nation. Are you with me? Because just because Roe v. Wade was overturned does not stop why it existed in the first place. This is not a political stance to say what you may or may not think is being taken place. All I'm saying as the pastor of this church is that we have responsibility to hurting people, no matter what. No matter if we agree with how, how things happened or not, our job is to always love people no matter where they are. We love the people who are in a mess, and we love the people who can help others get out of mess. We will love people and never, ever shame anyone for how things transpire. Are you with me? Are we all in agreement with that? Can we agree to those three terms? Amen. So as we do this, this, this next week you're going to have, if you haven't already, unbelievable temptation to get online and voice your two cents. Can I tell you, your two cents is stupid. It doesn't change anything but cause division. 
Our job is to be people who are going to show love. What's done is done. And just because you post on Facebook, retweet, hashtag, or anything else, is not going to change anybody's mind. But what will change somebody's mind is love. Unconditional love through the thick and through the thin. When somebody comes to you irate because they're hurt and confused, you love them. When somebody comes to you and agrees on every single thing that you say, you love them. When somebody spits in your face, can you get anybody guess my answer? You love them. When somebody posts something raw and unfiltered on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat, you love them. It's not the time for this modern generation to get up and have a debate on Facebook for the whole world. Okay? Just words of advice if you want relationships. All right. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for this day. We do thank you that your wisdom and grace is with us. That you give us the words to say. You give us the ears to hear your word. Make it applicable to our lives today. We are so grateful that you are with us and grateful for uh, the position that you've placed us in. You could have put us any time in any, any, any land. And God, you put us here in this place at this time to do a very specific thing, to love people. And we thank you for it. In your name, amen. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 17. We're going to pick up on part three. Luke chapter 17. All right. Let's do... This is going to be an interesting message for me because it is exact not what I was going to do. Uh, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, I had an idea that I was going to... And I told Miss Linda... Uh, she does our graphics and our social media posts and does an amazing job. And I said, this is where I'm going to be speaking. This is what I'm going to be doing. She said, great. And then last night I changed it. So, all right. <coughs> hey, Linda, I changed my message. All right. So um, here we go. Uh, Luke chapter 17. Let's do verses, um, start in verse 11, shall we? On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. We're talking about Jesus in this context. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when, they saw, when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this one foreigner? And he said unto him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you whole. This message is for somebody whose progress <laughs> is not obvious. I want you to know that just because your progress isn't obvious to you doesn't mean it's not obvious to God. We have to learn in our lives to take another step. Our responsibility as believers is not perfection, it's progress. Our job is not to wake up one day and be 100% completely opposite of our, who we were. Our job as believers is progress. Our job is one step, one day, one moment, one test, one trial, at a time. Are you with me? This whole idea that because you said a prayer when you were 15 years old and you would never sin or have a mistake again is not true. There has been one and one only perfect man, and he's not me. 
and he's probably not you, and all the wives said amen. So uh, as you walk this walk out, God is looking for progress, not perfection. And I want to talk to you today about stopping short. Because there's people under the side of my voice that you are closer to your miracle than you think that you actually are. Because God has something planned for you. God has spoken to you. God has told you to go. And just like he told Abraham to go into a land, and I'll let you know when you get there, Abraham had to take one step, one day at a time. And every single day, and with every single step. Are you there, God? Not yet. I'm going to take another step. So what do you do when you're walking in a direction that God has told you to go, and two things are taking place? You're not seeing change, and secondly, you're not hearing anything. Because God spoke to Abraham, and it doesn't say, and daily he communed with him to let him know, you're doing a good job, buddy, one more day. He said go, and Abraham went. He put a message in my heart today that's here to give each and every one of you a little bit of a push. And because I'm a dad and I love dad jokes, we're going to pray for the spirit of Dory to come upon every single one of you guys and just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Our job as believers is just to keep going. Just to keep moving. Just to keep doing the same thing. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell them, take another step. Come on. Look at your other neighbor and tell them that you're walking with them. Let's go back to our chapter in Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers. One stood at a distance. Oh, who all stood at a distance. Number one, we've been on a journey for the past three weeks. In week one, we talked about Abraham, how God gave Abraham a word, and there was two things that took place. He got a word, and he got a promise. Oh, wait, there's a third. It's called time. There's always a gap between a promise, time, and a fulfillment. Nine times out of ten, God doesn't go, promise answer. Like, typically, there's promise, there's time, And there's answer. We're going through our series called A Miracle Misconception. And one of the first misconceptions was that when God speaks and he gives us a promise, we should get it like you go through McDonald's drive-thru. That's not what takes place. Our second week, as we walked through it, we looked at the story uh, and we kept pushing through this whole idea of Esau and Jacob because uh, are you hungry for a move of God? Are you hungry for your promises to be fulfilled? Are you starving for that miracle to take place? Because hungry people will do whatever it takes to get fed. The Bible tells us those who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness will be filled. And today, God is looking for somebody to look and go, I'm hungry for his presence, and I'm tired of being full of the things of this world. I'm tired of being full on the things that have made me feel good. I'm ready for my miracle enough to starve myself from these things and embrace this. And today, we've got to take another step. Got to take another step. In this story, we see ten lepers. Jesus is walking between Samaria and he's walking through Galilee, and he sees ten lepers. To give you some backstory, and Leviticus, I think it's 13, uh, is that right, Bill? 13 and 14 about lepers. Uh, uh, we, we, we see that the, the log is very detailed answers about what to do when somebody's dealing with a skin condition called leprosy. What do you do? You give, they have to wear a jacket, off the top of my head, I'm probably going to butcher this. They have to wear a, a cloak that has got holes in it, 
they have to grow their hair out, and they have to live in isolation. That's horrible. Because leprosy, at the time, was contagious. It would eat your flesh. People would lose limbs. Their bodies would have boils all over themselves. And they would make these people not only live in that condition, but in fear that their condition would jump on them, we kick them out of the camp. So when we see these ten lepers see Jesus, it says, and they stood at a distance. Why do they stand at a distance? Because they had to. They had to keep a distance away from the answer that they were seeking after because they were so concerned about their condition and they could see their answer, but there was a gap. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life and maybe in your life, there have been so many times where I've been so close to see my answer, but I'm over here. There's a gap between my promise and my miracle. There is a distance disconnection. And what's really frustrating, and maybe this is you too, is that when you're in a church service and you're seeking God's face and you're watching God minister to the person two rows over and not to you. Have you ever seen that? Man, I remember growing up, I would hear a prophet's coming to town and I'd get so amped. I was so happy. I'm like, whew, I'm going to get a word. I'm going to get a word. Believe that you receive. God, I'm going to get a word. And then the person next to me who has gotten 18 words in 18 months got their 19th. And I'm sitting there going, for reals? Can I just, can I buy a vowel? Like, what is it that I have to do to get some help here, God? It's frustrating to see everybody else get their miracles, but not you. Oh, we're going to smile, and we're going to say amen, and we're going to rejoice. But can I tell you, after a while, it gets old. Can anybody recognize that for a little bit? First two, three, man, amen, Marsha, amen, Tyler. I'm excited about this. That means I'm next. And then he goes like, boom, boom, skip over you. Boom, boom, boom. And you're like, am I, am I a leper? Like, spiritually speaking, God, are you distancing yourself from me? Am I doing something that is so wrong? You have nothing and want nothing to do with me. But can I tell you, God is in this place, and he's asking for you to take another step. The craziest part for the story is this is that as he was walking by, from a distance, ten lepers cried out to him. This story here in Luke 17 is in between Samaria and Galilee, as if he hasn't walked that road countless times before. As if these same men who've been sitting outside waiting to die, haven't heard everybody else rejoice. Jesus is in town. He opened the blind eyes. He made lame men walk again. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He put the Pharisees in their place. He flipped over the tables and got away with it. No. They sat there and they're hearing all these stories. But it's never their time. And there goes Jesus walking by yet again. Here's where we find ourselves today. What are you going to do when your answer keeps walking past you? What's the first thing that you have to do? The very first thing you have to do is exactly what they did. And it says that, and they cried out to him. They cried out to him. And this is what they said. Jesus, 
Master, have mercy on us. They're looking at their answer. They're hearing stories of him healing people from a distance. They're hearing that God can do these, that Jesus can do these impossible things, so maybe he can do it for them. So they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And I don't know about you, but many times I've been sitting there going, God, I'm watching you minister to Bob. I'm watching you minister to Elaine. God, can you have mercy on me? I'm watching these people get restored. I'm watching these people get blessed. God, can you have mercy on me? What you have to do is get to a place where you get out of your discomfort and get out of your disgruntledness and begin to open your mouth again to say, God, how about me? Can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with you looking at God going, I call dibs. Dibs. My kids will get into a fist fight over shotgun. God forbid, this happens on a regular basis, Malachi or McKenna will lean over to me and go, shotgun, on purpose so the other one can't hear. They're five feet apart. He could be like, hey, sis, shotgun. Oh, okay. But he'll, shotgun, on purpose because he wants to open the door to watch her go, shotgun, and then watch her heart get crushed. And he's like, nah, my bad. He gets back in. I already called it. Dad, did he really? He really did. Oh, she's like, oh, no, all her. She's just as bad. She'll send me a text, shotgun. <laughs> Swear to you, the funniest thing. Do I stop it? No. It's hilarious. <laughs> Is that a bad parent move? I don't know, but it's funny. Uh, you know what? I'm teaching my kids how to handle this appointment. No, I don't. Uh, but what it is, is that it's okay for you to cry out to him. Can I tell you, God's not asking for his kids to be silent. In fact, the Bible says, call unto me and I will answer you. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Call unto me. These men had enough. And they called unto him. So what does Jesus do? He uses his Jesus powers and they get healed. Nope. Not at all. This right now outside of Lazarus, is one of the most unbelievable verses, verses in the Bible. Because I feel like, I feel like it can be a, a little bit disheartening. It's disheartening because Jesus tells them, go and show yourself to the priest. The problem is, they were in the exact same condition as they were in. There was no chill bumps, goosebumps, wave of healing, and they go, ah. They're still in the exact same condition as they were before they cried out to him. And here's the problem. I've wondered what their thoughts were in the process. We're going to cry out to Jesus, and he's going to walk over to us, and he's going to make us do something. We're going to get healed. And Jesus goes, from a distance, go show yourselves to the priest. What's crazy is, from a distance, you can't inspect the leprosy. Jesus never got close enough to see their issues. You know why? Because he doesn't need to see your issues. He has a heart to see where you are. 
A lot of us are trying to hide our issues from him. A lot of us are trying to pretend that we don't have failures and faults. And the thing about leprosy is that not only was a skin condition, it was an emotional condition because you're dealing with rejection from everything and everyone. If you were a dad, no longer. If you were a mom, no longer. If you were a, a, a child, you're, no matter where your position was in the kingdom of the land of that day, you had to leave. You had to forfeit your rights. You had to give up everything and go live by yourself. I'm sitting here watching this thing take place. And these lepers are heartbroken. They're distraught. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're healed. Go show yourself to the priest. And I feel like they're looking at him going, I just lost a finger. How am I healed? Think about this, how long they could have been there and how many uh, fingers or toes they could have been lost by this moment. An ear could have fallen off. And he'd be like, nope, still gone. Is my nose there? Nope, it's gone. Can you check my feet? Still gone. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest and nothing's changed. What do you do in life when God calls you healed yet you still have symptoms? What do you do when he calls you uh, prosperous yet you still broke? What do you do in life when everything that you are asking for, he says yes to, but your circumstances haven't changed at all? Because countless times in my life, that's exactly what has happened. Can anybody recognize that? Countless times have I cried out to God, and I had a peace, I had a word, you got it. And I'm like, yes, still broke, still have a headache, my foot still hurts, I'm still dealing with depression, I'm still dealing with loneliness. All of these things, God, that you said yes to, I'm still dealing with the same stuff over and over and over again. And he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it says, as they walked, they became healed. Because it was about the progress they were taking, not about the immediate miracle that they were hoping for. One of our biggest miracle misconceptions is that you will get healed and you will receive your miracle through the progress. When my, I found out that we were, I found out when Ashley was pregnant with Malachi, uh, one of the biggest issues for me was I didn't have health insurance and I was broke. And at that time, we couldn't get uh, pregnancy Medicaid because there was a big freeze. So what do we do? I'll never forget looking and going, God will do one of two things. Either God will give us away right now a big lump sum and we'll be able to pay for everything that we need to pay for, or he'll stretch the month. But either way, we're going to be okay. You know how many big checks that I received? Big payments, raises and bonuses I got? Not a single one. But somehow or another, every single month, $723 was able to be paid to our, our, our uh, midwife, what it was, yeah, over and over and over again. The month before we were pre- she was pregnant, $50 was a miracle. Somebody was going to buy our McDonald's. In fact, we had this place right across the street that had all-you-could-eat wings, and I would bring, like, Ziploc baggies sometimes. Like, that kind of broke. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So coming up with an additional $700 plus was laughable to me. Can I tell you, if it had been $100, I probably could have came up with it. I'd have got a second job. I would have worked hard. I would have done something. But the beautiful thing about a miracle is it's not about you. You can't do it. You have to rely on him. And every single month, 
time and time again. We'd wake up, we'd go to visits. We'd wake up, we'd go to visits. All of these things, and at the end of it all, it was taken care of. Then I got a bill. Because there was complications in the birth. And I got a beautiful bill of, I think it was $32,000 from the hospital. And I called that lady and I said, I ain't got it. Don't have it. And oh my goodness, Ashley was losing her mind. Like, what are they going to do? I'm like, they can't repo your baby. <laughs> like, the sheriff's not going to be like, knock, 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 give me that baby, and yank it out. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to boot your, your stroller, and you're just stuck there at, in Target. Like, that's not what's going to happen. So I called. And the lady laughed. because She saw I, there was no way to pay. And that was the first time in my life that I had a big lump miracle moment. But can I tell you, nine times out of ten in my personal experience, my miracle moments are seen by one step at a time. My friends have had miracle moments, big boom moments. I don't have big, big moments. I've got small steps, small steps, small steps. Today, one of our big things that we need to realize is that it is in your progress that you are made perfect. It's not in your perfectness that gives you progress. See, we get the cart before the horse too many times. If I can get perfect, then I can get progress. He is made strong in your weakness. As you step towards the cross, and as you make a step every single day, and that's the thing about change, is every single day there's going to be a moment, a, a, a decision to make. Small decisions create huge moments in your life. You are where you are today because of the small decisions you made five, ten years ago. Hey, Nathan, can you do me a favor? Can you go behind the sound booth and grab those, those things back there? As we are, are, are walking this out, it's about the small steps. Now, uh, I need everybody that's here today to do me a favor. Uh, I, I have uh, Nathan bring it. Oh, he's flexing. Come on, Bob. Just go ahead and show me what you're... As he's walking, he just had to start racking them out. Thanks, Bob. So here's 25 pounds. Here is 12. Uh, I, like, uh, I work out every once in a while. And uh, one of the guys that I work out with, Dave, is in the back. And when he lifts, he does eight pounds. <laughs> it's his max. Don't judge him. Um, no. But you know what's one thing that we do is that we track what we do. Every, every session that we have, we write down our weights. You know what's crazy is I went to the gym one day, and the next two, three days later, I did the exact same exercise again, and I put 55 more pounds on the bench. No, that's not how it works. Not even close. If every week I can add two and a half to five pounds, I'm doing fantastic. It doesn't seem like a lot. But every week, it's the small steps. And it's funny because when I first started joining the gym, it was embarrassing. Does anybody can understand that? I think Thomas was with me on one of our first days. Listen, I worked out really, really hard. I, I was benching and did my thing, sweating, dying, racked it up. It was an accomplishment. Like, I, I did it. I was happy. And then somebody came up to me and goes, hey, are you done with that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you want to clear the weights off? And she said, no, that's my warm-up. And I said, bye, and walked right out the gym. Because for you to get 
to the big weights, you first start with the small ones. And you start where you are, and you slowly progress. Anybody who walks in the gym goes, I'm going to curl this. And they go, I guess it's not God's will. And they walk away. But the reality is, is that anybody can get to this level. This is not 555 pounds. Any man or woman can easily be able to, should be able to uh, curl 25 pounds. But maybe you can't do it today. But maybe you start with Dave's weights. He's teaching the women's class. No. Um, I told you not to come today. <laughs> but you know what you do? You start where you are. And the only way to get stronger is by adding more resistance. Because eventually, this right here will become so easy for you. And then you, re- you graduate to the next set. And then the next set. And before you know it, you will realize that your small steps of progress led you to bigger weights. And here we are seeking out God's steps for our lives. God, I want to have a ministry. God, I want to have a, mil- a multi-million dollar business. God, I want to have all these things. And can I tell you, those dreams are beautiful. But when you're unwilling to do the small steps to get there, you're never going to see it. If you're finding yourself going, I want a multi-million dollar business, I want to have this big uh, entrepreneur mindset, yada, 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 and then your, your boss that you're working for now goes, hey, can you get the mop? I don't mop. I'm a millionaire. And they're like, here's eight bucks an hour. Do the small things. Because it's in that small things that will reap big rewards as you go. I've watched Pastor Allen on this property for most of my life. He's never been too big to do the small things, ever. From grabbing a weed eater to pulling up weeds. But you know what he can also do? All the big things that it takes to run the school. But he learned that, not on his first day in, it's been years of progress. And what's sad is he can run the school with his eyes closed, while other people go, I don't see how you can do it. He has forgotten more things about this place than he probably understands that I I know. It's incredible. Because it's the small things. But one thing that he's always told me is that big, big things take place when you're willing to do small details. He puts it this way. A man never has to worry about his dollars when he's focused on his pennies. And as you're worrying about and focusing on your miracle moment, it's not can you memorize the entire book of Hebrews, but what's your daily devotion like? When you're looking for a deeper connection with God, it's not can you pray in tongues for 45 minutes straight. It's not about will you float six inches whenever you begin to, 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 to connect with God. It's not fill the bathtub up and watch me walk on water kind of miracles. You know what it is? It's the small things. It's praying for five minutes at a time as you're learning. When you're focusing on your peace, this is something that's incredible for me. When you're focusing on your peace and you're dealing with a tormenting mindset, can I tell you, it's not this big, huge epiphany. What I've learned is it's the small steps. My small steps are like this. I wake up in the morning, I've got peace. Everything's good. Two hours later, I check in with myself. How you doing, Pete? Where's your peace? Peace is still there. We're good to go. Two hours later, how's your peace? Mm, I'm getting stressed. What happened between 10 and 12 that caused that stress? And then I deal with it. Otherwise, I just keep pushing, and I keep pushing, and I'm finding myself curled up in a bed because I don't want to get out in the morning. It's the small things that add up to big victories.
David's first victory was never the Goliath. Can I tell you? His first victory wasn't the lion and the bear. His very first victory was becoming anointed as king and going back out to the sheep. When you're called for greatness, are you willing to go back to the sheep to work? When you're called for the big things, are you going to go back to what you should know? Because big miracle moments are always small steps, one day at a time. These men would walk, and they would walk. We're supposed to go to the priest? This is embarrassing. You know what's crazy? Like My finger doesn't hurt like it was. And I can see themselves taking steps and stopping. There was a spot here, wasn't there? I thought there was. They could take some steps. Interesting. Walk. No, that's definitely better. And take some steps and walk and realize every step they took, something else was taking place. I wonder how long before they stopped taking steps and started running down the street. How long did it take for them to have these humble moments of we're a nothing and nobody to, oh my goodness, I'm feeling, and just ripping off the leper clothes to run towards the priest. Because when you start taking small steps and you start having small victories, you get big momentum, and now you start seeing big things taking place. And this is the beautiful thing. When you sit there and go, Pete, I want to lay hands on the sick, and I want to watch them recover. Can I tell you, you typically don't start with the dead man. You start with the small things. But we discredit the small things. When somebody has a headache, here's an aspirin. We don't lay hands on them. Well, I'll pray for you if you've got cancer. That's the big ones. I'll pray for you if you're you know, dealing with a major issue, but the small st- no, nah, that's too, too small for God. Can I tell you, it's in the small victories in your life that you, be- you begin to connect to God's bigness. Because if he'll heal my headache, maybe he'll heal my arm. If he'll heal my arm, he'll work on my back. If he'll work on my back, he'll heal his heart. If he'll heal his heart, the cancer's next. And you start knocking them down one roll at a time. One thing at a time. Because people who are miracle mindset minded have one step before another. They don't wake up one day and start raising the dead. It's the small things. It's the small things that add up. I love this, that Jesus declared their healing and nothing changed. I wonder how many steps it took. It obviously took a while. Because by the time the one realized he was healed, he had to turn around and go find Jesus. So it wasn't like a, go see yourself at the priest. I'm healed. I took two steps. Because Jesus asked a very specific question. Where are the other nine? In other words, you walked so far, I don't even know where the other ones were before you realized you were healed. So where are the other nine? How come they didn't come back? And then Jesus said, and I put leprosy back on the other nine. No. No. He explained to the one why it worked. Your faith has made you well. Every miracle that you're seeking in life will always come down to faith. And big faith, come on, big faith isn't doing the big things as much as it is the small steps. It's crazy because you can see it even with the centurion, uh, if I remember his, his name right, when he was told to go bathe in the, in the waters, his servant said, if he told you to do something big, you would have done it. Isn't that us? So many times, 
We get disgruntled because we don't have the big. We only, only have the small steps. We get disgruntled because we don't have these big opportunities. Or worse, maybe we've been building up, and this happens in so many of our lives, is we've been building up our small steps. And then something takes place, and we turn around and start walking backwards again. We build momentum, and then something happens, and we kill it. In the story of Joshua, he was told to go walk around the wall every day, one time, for six days. And what happens in our lives is we begin to do that. Sounds great, God, we're in it. There goes one day, and there goes two days, then there goes three days, and nothing's changed. On day four, nothing's changed. On day five, nothing's changed, and we go, forget it. And we stop. Because we get discouraged. We find ourselves in a spot of discouragement because it's not happening when we think it should. It's not happening how we think it should. And we're not seeing that God is continually opening doors along the way. Because I've wondered in that, when you could see how Jericho was laid out, at what point did they start going, I'm going to attack that place there. At what point, as they're walking around this mountain, because Jericho was built on a mountain, where they walk around and go, I'm going to take that one, I'm going to take that one, I'm going to take that one. Because Jericho was built on a spring. It was built to withstand a long siege. In times past, they would say that it could easily stand over a year's worth of siege before they had to do something. Think about that. Most armies would have bailed by then. But God had a different plan. Because God's thing is, if you do the small things, the stupid things, I'll tear down the big walls that are in your way. What's the small things he's asking of you? What's the small things he's asked of you today? Maybe the small thing is just to keep walking. Maybe you're at a spot where you're ready to throw in the towel with your faith. Maybe the small things that you're ready to throw in your towel in your relationships or, or with, your, with your church or with your family. Maybe the small things are just we're going to keep walking in the same direction. Maybe the small things today are, uh, are that he's putting on your heart. You want to do ministry. You want to be something, you want to do something for God. And he's going, hey, do a small group. And you're like, hey, I want a church. He's like, start with your small group. Learn through the process. Watch what's taking place. Maybe the small things in your life are that you really want to be a millionaire and God's going, get on a budget. You're like, that's stupid. I rebuke you, Satan. Because my God is more than enough to meet my needs and my visa. No. Maybe you're at a spot in your life where you look back and God's asking the small things that He wants to bless you abundantly as Pastor Marsha was saying. And He says, start with your tithe. And you're like, I'll tithe when I get the money. It's not how it works. Maybe the small things is that he's telling you to use your words and confess over your body your healing. You don't want to do that. Can I tell you, it's the small foxes that destroy your miracle vine. It's not the big ones. In life, when something big takes place against us, we rally. We do. A big thing moves, we rally. Uh, we watched, geez, uh, 
21 years ago. We went from being passive Americans to rallying around a cause after 9-11. Something big took place. It's a bad idea because we're going to come and fight. But you know what we don't do as Americans? We don't attack the small things. You know how our nation got to where it is today? The small things. It, there wasn't a single week in American history where he goes, you know what we're going to do? We're going to cancel God. We're going to cancel marriages. We're going to cancel babies. We're, we're, it wasn't a week of hell in America. It's the small steps. It's the small steps. It's the smallness. Where we get to a place to where we are today going, how did we end up in this place? Can I tell you nine times out of ten, the issues in your marriages aren't because they happened overnight. It's been the small things. The issues in your finances, it's been the small things. Because small steps will destroy you and small steps will reward you. But we don't want to focus on the single steps. We want the jackpots. Life is not won and lost on jackpot faith. It's won and lost on small step faith. What's the small things today that you've got to start doing tomorrow? What is it? Seek his face today. Because you want a miracle moment? Do the small things. Lift Dave's weights. We did leg day the other day. And so he would love for you just to punch him in his legs one good time. And then we can raise him back up. Sometimes I inflict pain on Dave to see if I can raise the dead. So, uh, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We love you guys. It's the small things. One step. It's just one step. What's your one step? Start your small group. What's your one step? Read that one chapter of the Bible. It's that one step. Pray for five minutes as you drive down the road. And the next week, make it six. One step at a time. One step is having a conversation with your spouse or your significant other. One step may just be being open and honest with yourself on where you are and stop Instagram lifing yourself and filtering yourself. Be honest where you are. It's scary. Just one step. God, we just thank you. I thank you today for small step faith. That everybody who's here today can take one step at a time. That we're not trying to have this big, huge jackpot faith to get it all in one move, but the small things to add up to big victories today. That we don't stop on a single step, but we keep moving forward every single second of every single day. That it's, our faith is in the progress, not in our perfection today. In your name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.